Hey, don't look now, but it's Pastor Linder with another drive-by. And uh, this is a condensed version of what I shared with our congregation last night, Wednesday night. It's a Thursday afternoon, and I have a few minutes. I'll try to get to my destination or get this done on the way, or if I have to do part of it and then get another part, we'll do that. But we talked about holy living. And we understand from both the Old Testament and the New Testament that God wanted a holy people, a people that were separate from the world. And in several places, uh, it's very clear that that's God's desire. He is holy, and we're instructed to worship Him and to be holy people, both in our hearts and in the expression of our lives, everything that goes on inside and outside. God has a way by his grace of giving us the power, the anointing that we need, the strength we need to honor him in every part of our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14, leading into chapter 7, verse number 1, says, What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And in that section of verses... Uh, the apostle continues to describe the need for God's people to recognize that we have been called to be different than the world. We've been called out of the world, separate from the world. We understand that. In fact, Jesus even looked at his disciples at one point and said, the world is going to hate you because you don't belong to the world. And most believers begin to recognize that whenever you determine to make up your mind that you're going to live for God, you're going to honor His Word, you're going to do His will, if you stand strong enough, it will not take very long for the world to begin to pick up on that person is not like us. They don't do what we do. They don't uh, respond the same way we respond. They don't act the way we act. They don't live the way we live. And, And truly, we as Christians should stop even looking for worldly acceptance and be willing to stand strong in the Lord in the power of his might and say, yes, I'm different. I'm called out to be what God has designed me to be. I don't believe that needs to be done in an ugly way or an unkind way or in in a holier than thou way, but it needs to be done in an honest way where God is speaking to us consistently through his word, by his spirit, about areas in our lives where we can honor him and really be what he wants us to be. We are a chosen generation, a peculiar people, called out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light. God gives you grace to be saved, and then saved people begin to conduct their lives in a manner that honors God's purpose. As we looked at these things and began to describe to the congregation, I want to take a slightly different approach. I know I could spend time, and perhaps we will, talking about all the things that we reject from the world. And certainly there are habits, lifestyle choices, things that have so much prominence in the world that are really unclean, they're immoral, they're they're ways of abusing your own body, abusing your mind, and ways of interacting in the world that really just takes sin and adds to it more sin and more ungodliness and more immorality. And if you point to uh, destruction within families, communities, even nations, it's not hard to trace what's going on. People have left the purposes of God. 
And those are conversations worth having. But I do want to take this time to look at some of the things, not just that we've been called out from, but identify just a few of the things uh, that we've been called to. And this is a condensed version of what we shared, so I'm probably not going to list even all of the things that I listed uh, for those last night. But let's start. Uh, Number one, we've been called to a total unconditional love for God. We've been called to put God first in our lives. He is not a God who is looking to be second or looking to compete with other things for our devotion. He wants to be uh, our true first love. And really, uh, when we put God first and when we honor Him, when we love Him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, by the grace of God, He begins to add into our lives those components that will help us to be fulfilled. We're complete in Him. And when we love Him with everything, we can really experience life at at its best. No wonder Jesus told His disciples, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, There is a temptation to feel like you've got to pursue all of these things, even as it relates to the necessities of life. But God wants us to be assured by making Him our our first love and our first priority, it will only increase the effectiveness and, and the fulfillment that we find in every other part of our lives. And you won't know it until you try it, but once you try it, you begin to discover God's Word is so true. Putting Him first, loving Him most, is really the right way to go. Uh, Number two, we've been called to a love for God's people, a love for the church of God. And and sometimes people can get frustrated, disappointed, maybe even uh, somewhat disillusioned by what they would describe as organized religion. But God looks to us, and, and Jesus even told His disciples, by this shall all men know that Ye are my disciples, that ye have love one for another. We've been called to that. When we're struggling with loving our brothers and our sisters, we need God's grace in that area. It is important to pray and say, Oh God, help me to have a better connection to your body. Help me to do what I can do to take responsibility for the way I am plugged into the work of God, even to a local congregation, because that's part of my calling. I have been called to a good, healthy relationship a loving relationship with the body of Christ. Another thing that the Word of God makes clear, we've been called to love those, even those who consider themselves our enemies. What a challenge that can be, but that is the calling of the child of God. Jesus said, but I say unto you in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He's making it very clear. This is not an easy part of our calling, but it is a true command of the Lord Jesus. And the apostles taught the same thing. They they taught that we shouldn't be trying to repay uh, evil with evil, but we should overcome evil with good. The apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, even talked to them about uh, blessing the enemies that they felt were in their lives, hurting them and persecuting them, returning blessing to them instead of trying to repay them with vengeance. And in fact, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And the child of God who is separated from the world has been called 
to love even our enemies. And you can tell that, uh, you know, it's so easy for us to check off our list if we have rejected habits and sins and lifestyle choices that are opposite the Word of God. It's so easy to check those things off our list and then kind of give ourselves a gold star and maybe even be a little bit spiritually proud of where we are in terms of those things. But it's not just about what we have left. It's about what we have embraced. We have embraced a new life in Christ with new attitudes and and new priorities and a conduct that is driven by obedience to His Word. Here are just a few others. We've been called to a peacemaking spirit. Uh, What a challenge, but what an important part of our calling that Jesus would say, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Children of God are not troublemakers. Believers are not the ones, whether it's in a home environment, a work environment, a a church environment. We are not the ones that everybody should cringe when we come around because we're always stirring up the problems and creating greater tension. We should be the ones that are the peacemakers in various situations. That's part of our calling and and God wants us to take it seriously if it be possible the apostle writes in Romans chapter 12 verse 18 as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men when you look at the dynamics of our cultures and our communities as they blend together in cities and and, and nations and even as the nations of the world interact uh, it is tragic that the world is filled with so much hate violence, racism, persecution, and yet if there is a safe place, shouldn't that place be amongst the people of God? Recently in a couple of meetings with uh, our congregation and then in a small group meeting that I'm a part of, and I looked around and in each of those settings, I was so thankful for what was represented there. Diversity in terms of the different ages, diversity in terms of the different cultures represented, diversity in terms of the different languages that uh, were even the native languages of those people that were present, diversity in terms of even where they were at in their educational background and where they were at in terms of uh, what they were dealing with even in terms of their own economic standing, but all of them together honoring God seeking direction from his word, worshiping together, looking to God and praying one for another. The church has to be that safe place. The believers need to be those safe people that can honor God in the way that we conduct ourselves within the community and even within our own lives as being the peacemakers. That is part of our calling. God has called us to that. Let me move quickly to a few others. We've been called to a spiritual mind. We absolutely understand the importance of the way our mind processes life. And if your thoughts start moving in a direction opposite the Word of God and the way of God, you will move in that direction. To be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We've been called to take responsibility for the mindset that we're living in. We've been called to seriously understand what it means to govern the type of things that I am dwelling on, what my inputs are, 
excuse me, most of us understand that in seasons of our lives when we are less guarded about what we watch or what we read or even who we spend time with, and I'm not talking when it relates to people that uh, we put ourselves in some box that we're too holy to have friends, but we do need to be careful about who influences us and who speaks into our lives. Why? Because I have a responsibility to govern my thoughts and manage my thought life in a way that will lend itself to victory, to the purpose of God, to a healthy outlook spiritually, and and things that will promote growth in my life spiritually. This is a challenge, but it's not complicated. Be aware of what relationships are doing to your thoughts. Be aware of how your associations and even your activities, what you read, what you dwell on, and what you spend a lot of time being involved with. Be aware of how all of that impacts your thinking and make up your mind. I'm going to honor God. I'm, I'm going to do His will. I'm going to be what He's called me to be. It's part of my calling to maintain my spiritual health. And that has a lot to do with my thought life. And God will honor our faith. God will honor our passion in that way. And He will bless us. And we will hear from the Word and receive from the Word and have understanding that comes from the Word. And we will begin to receive direction that flows into our lives from God's Spirit and His Word working in us. And we will be victorious as the children of God. We've been called to a spiritual mind. We've been called to humility. James chapter 4, verse number 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. It's challenging, and there's so much of a me-first attitude in, in life and in the culture. But could you just say and believe. I've been called to prefer my brother and put others before me and even put the needs of others before me. We have that old saying that the key to joy, (coughs) excuse me, the key to joy is Jesus, others, and you. And when you operate that way, you're going to live with joy and you're going to live with peace, but it's not easy. I tease and say, you know what? If you're not a senior saint and if you're not someone that excuse me again, needs assistance, get into the the church door, then why not leave those closer spaces for somebody else? But we're so driven. I got to get the closest parking space. I got to look around and be the first person in line. And, and, And I know that's so easy. And sometimes we're just trying to get things accomplished and we're moving through very quickly and and some of that is not always malicious but be very careful that we're not always striving to have the preeminence and and prove that our way is the best way and prove that we're better than other people let's learn to embrace this part of our calling that we would walk in humility we've been called to temperance the apostle writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And yet we recognize that there is a premium placed on self-restraint. 
moderation. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. God will help us. The Spirit will allow us to develop this fruit of the Spirit if we will ask God for His help. We need to be people that have self-control and self-restraint and operate with moderation and aspects of our lives. Again, sometimes we point to certain areas where we have accomplished a degree of victory over a habit, over a vice or an excess, but sometimes we look past other areas that maybe we're spending too much time in something and we need to moderate that. Maybe our spending habits are too aggressive in one area. We need to moderate that. Maybe uh, the the things that we just uh, really allow ourselves to get caught up in and it becomes an extreme. There's no middle ground for us. We just start diving into a particular hobby or an activity and there's no moderation and yet part of our calling is temperance and we want to honor God by fulfilling our call. Just a couple more and I, I hope that you're hearing that our calling isn't just about what we leave But it is about what we are separated unto, what we become, how we let the power of God and the Word of God direct our lives so that He receives glory from our lives and the way that we live. We've been called to a pure heart. What a challenge. And I I know that every one of us filled with the Spirit, seeking God, wanting to honor His Word, but we have to confront the fact that it is very easy to become corrupted, contaminated. Again, thinking about our minds and our thought lives, but oh God, give us grace to embrace this part of our calling. The apostle writing in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want to use this phrase again that I've used recently. Would you at least think about, think about ways your life can be cleaner, can be more wholesome, can have a greater sense of purity. Be honest. Search me, O Lord, is a prayer you can pray. And try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And and lead me to the way that is the way of life, everlasting, righteousness, purity. We can literally begin to think about and pray about what are the areas where my life is not honoring God in a manner that glorifies His name. And He will help us. He will bless us. He will give us insight. And as you pray that way and you identify an area and you can say, wow, when I'm thinking in that vein, it's not really pure and things begin to surface that just are not honorable and they would not allow God Uh, God's purpose to flow in my life. Now, Lord, I'm asking you now that you've helped me to identify it, to cleanse me. And then, God, give me the ability to formulate a strategy. How will I guard against this coming back in my spirit and in my life? God will help us. He'll bless us. In fact, it's very clear. The apostle writes in the New Testament, if we sin, We don't have to give up. We don't have to panic. We don't have to walk away. We don't have to decide God's through with us. He says, listen, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a pure heart. You can have a pure mind. You can have a pure life. 
But you need to seek God, and we need to seek God, all of us. Say, Lord, help me to see where this needs to be happening and how I can grow in this part of my life. And finally, again, this is a condensed version, and and I, I tease and say maybe those that heard the long version would have hoped for the condensed version. But here we are. The last thing I want to point out, and certainly there are many other things that are part of this calling we have. Separated from the world, separated unto God, not even trying to be like the world, but embracing the uniqueness and the power and the authority of operating as a child of God in this generation. The last thing I mention is we've been called to a life of service. I encourage you to read Romans chapter 12, not when you're driving. Uh, but read it at some point and begin to look at what's written there about our calling. And there's such an incredible a sense that we can live our lives with so much purpose and, and so much focus. And, and God can be glorified in the way that we're handling even our time, our talents. And every part of our lives can truly bring God glory. And as you read in Romans chapter 12, I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm not even going to read it or quote it. But I want to say to you that the picture that's painted there is of people discovering the gifts that God has given them by His grace and experiencing those gifts in a manner where they begin to use them for His glory. He talks about if you've got the gift of prophecy to prophesy, the gift to teach to teach, the gift to lead to lead. Uh, giving is covered in that and, and demonstrating compassion and mercy and all of these things. It's a journey of discovering what God has equipped me to do and then doing those things with all my might, with a good attitude, with a cheerful heart, with prayer being the foundation of, of everyday focus. That's such a powerful way and and what a great way to live your life and and what a great culture to embrace whether it be an individual or a family and an organization a church congregation to simply say we are a group of people embracing a life of service and identifying the gifts that God has equipped us and and allowed us to have so that we can impact the lives of others we do it with joyfulness we do it with excellence we do it with prayer and we do it with God at the center, hoping and believing that he will receive all the glory for everything we offer in his name, both in how we serve him and how we honor him in our service to others. I know that God has called us to live a holy life. And even as I have been talking Perhaps when you hear the phrase, holy life, your mind immediately goes to all the things that we should stop doing if we're going to have a holy life. And I will not uh, deny that there are definite things that as you grow in grace, you begin to see changes in your life. There are just some things you don't need and don't need to be involved in, places you don't need to go. And even things about your presentation and your activities, all of it changes as you embrace a holy lifestyle. But not only is it about what we stop doing, it's about what we start doing. And by the grace of God, let's embrace a season of doing what we do 
in a manner that honors God. I pray for you. I pray a blessing. I pray the revelation of that culture and that mindset that I described from Romans chapter 12 would take hold in your life in a supernatural way. And I pray the blessing of God upon you as you honor him. And I am just moments away from my destination. In fact, I did a circle around the building because I thought I was so close to being done. I might as well finish. I pray you're having a great day. I pray that you know God is for you. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name.